0: Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the Body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. We are currently studying and looking into the value of the Word of God in the life of the believer. We have been on these studies for, uh, actually this is our fourth lesson and our fourth week as we continue to look at the value and the importance of the Word of God in the life of the believer. In our previous studies, we have learned certain things and I just want to reiterate very quickly what we have learned so far from the Word of God and some of the values the Word of God carries in the life of the believer. As I have said in our first session, you cannot really place any value on the Word of God because it is priceless. God's Word is priceless. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon said, that God's word and God's wisdom are far more precious than rubies, than precious stones, than silver and gold. In fact, Solomon said it is the principal thing. And so we are going through the word of God, looking at some of the things that the word of God has brought into our lives. And one of the things that we've learned is that we were born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. That's what Peter tells us. The new birth is the work of the Word of God being delivered to us by the Holy Spirit of God. We have also learned in our studies that all things are upheld and held together by the power of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 1 declares that Jesus our Lord upholds all things by the word of his power. Anything that is built on the foundation of the word of God the Bible says will be upheld and established. It will never be shaken. It will never be moved. So when we build on God's word then we build on a sure foundation. Everything else in this world, the Bible says, will be shaken. Anything that can be shaken, will be shaken. But those who build their lives on the Word of God will never be shaken in a shaken world. If you look around you, entire nations are being shaken by the Lord. Uh, not only nations, but communities and families and businesses and and enterprises and even churches are being shaken. And the purpose for this shaking is that anything that God did not build will be shaken and will collapse. So Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, if you turn there with me, And let's look at verse 24 and 25 and look at what Jesus said concerning this matter that we're talking about. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 and 25. I'll give you a bit of time to find the the scriptures then we'll read them together. Matthew 7 verse 24 and 25. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock." The Lord himself said that when we hear the word of God and do it, not just be hearers but doers of the word, then we are like wise folks, wise people, who build on the solid rock and on the foundation that can never be shaken. (coughs) And he also said that the rain will come, the floods will come, the winds will come, will blow and will beat upon what we build, but if it is built on the Word, it will never be shaken. And that is the only safe place that we can build. Furthermore, we have discovered from the Bible that the Word of God was the agent that brought us together in a covenant relationship. His Word brings people together together for excuse me for a common purpose we heard the word we believed but also when we heard that word that anointed word it drew us together with other believers and we formed relationships what the bible calls covenant relationships now <coughs> the bible says that one of us will put a thousand to flight But two of us will put 10,000 to flight. Imagine 100 of us coming together by the word of God for a common purpose. What great things we can accomplish. Amen? Amen? Praise God forevermore. So he who brings us together is the word of God. He who connects the individual members together is the word of God again. And these relationships need to be sustained and maintained as we submit and obey the Word of God. So, it's wonderful. What we're learning is very vitally important in our lives. We're born again by the Word, we are held up by the Word of God, and we are brought together in covenant relationships by the same Word. Now, we also understand from Jesus' teaching that the Word of God sanctifies us. I will explain what that word means in detail. God's Word sanctifies the believer. It separates us from worldly influence and worldly contamination. Let's look at what Jesus said in John's Gospel chapter 17 and we're going to read verse 16 and 17. John's Gospel 17 verse 16 and 17. In this chapter Jesus is praying to the Father and primarily he prays for his disciples as well as for those who would believe through the word of his disciples. And in verse 16 he says, referring to his disciples, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. I'm going to read that again. Jesus is praying to the Father for his disciples, and he says... Lord, these, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth, or by your truth, your word is truth. How many of you know that if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you, your spirit has been regenerated, you become a new creation, you are not of this world. You are from another world. You are from above. You are not from beneath. And Jesus said, Amen? Are you with me? The Bible says our citizenship is in heaven. You may be a citizen of South Africa or the United States, but you have another citizenship which is far important, far more important, and far exceedingly greater than the citizenship of your natural birth. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is praying and he says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. The word sanctify means to separate or to set apart for God. And I believe what Jesus is referring to here, when we receive the word of God, it will often separate us not only from contaminating influence, but sometimes it separates us from people who are not committed or believers, who are lukewarm and they are indifferent to the things of God. When you are committed to the Word of God, you will find that you cannot walk together with unbelieving people in a very close association. Because Jesus said, What agreement has light with darkness? Amen? And so, believers who are devoted to the Word of God, and they live by the Word, will find it not only difficult, but impossible sometimes to have close communion and fellowship with lukewarm and backsliding believers. In other words, Christians who are worldly and indifferent to the things of God and to the things of the Spirit. Let me go further and say this. God's Word sometimes, not always, but sometimes will bring division between people and let me read what Jesus said in uh, Luke's gospel chapter 12 verse 49 through to 53 I know because I know it from my own experience when I received the word of God and I was born again by the word the word that I received brought division in my own natural family my in-laws I recall during the first few months of my rebirth they turned against me. My own father threatened to disown me if I did not give up my faith and return to the dead religion I grew up with. I recall it was a very difficult time for me and it was a tough decision to make. I had to make a choice. Either I would go on with Christ and face the consequences from my own natural family, or walk away from Christ in order to keep the peace in my family. I know not in every culture, not in every community this takes place, but there are some cultures and some communities that when you receive Christ, you become a target of persecution, even from your own family. That's why Jesus said in Luke's Gospel chapter 12, Let's read from verse 49 and see what Jesus said concerning this subject. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 49 to 53. Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? Question mark. I tell you, not at all, but rather division. From now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Do you see here what, what, what Jesus is referring to? When God's word comes into your life, and you receive the word of God, and you believe in Jesus, sometimes in your own family there will come a division, as it came in my own family. Now, I know in the South African culture, there's not much persecution. But I know in the Jewish culture, in the Muslim culture, if a person comes to Christ, then he becomes the center of persecution. And there is a division in that family because the Word of God comes to separate us from worldly thinking, from worldly believers, and set us apart for God's purpose and for God's use. Amen? I, I, I don't pray that this happens to you, but for me, I recall, my dad was deadly serious when he wrote to me and he said, Son, I will disown you unless you go back to the Orthodox Church and you renounce this new faith that you found, because it's not in our culture, and I will, not, I, will not, I will not accept this from you. You are no longer my son. And I recall, man, I was in tears. I was hurting because my own father was threatening to disown me because I believed. You know, when I was an ungodly person, when I was an unbeliever, no one threatened me about anything. And I didn't understand what was going on. But thank God for the words of Jesus because these words of Jesus comforted me in my hour of trial and pain. And I had to go before the Lord and make a decision and write to my dad And declare to my in-laws that no matter what happens, I will not renounce the faith that I have found. Jesus saved me. Jesus forgave me. He sent me back to my wife. I will serve him all the days of my life. And that was not an easy thing to do. So I say that because sometimes the word of God will separate you even from your very own family, your very own loved ones. Now, if you recall, last week we ended our discussion, and we ended our lesson by looking at the words of Jesus that were found in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, where Jesus said to those who believed in him, I want you to turn there please. Because this is going to, uh, to be the foundation of most of my message today. John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus here, please take note, that he is addressing people who believed on him, not people who were unbelievers. Are you with me? Let me know when you found that, that verse of Scripture. Okay, Jesus is speaking here and he says, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, in our lesson today, we are going to look at the value of discipleship. Everybody say discipleship discipleship. So we're going to look at the value of discipleship. Jesus said that if we continue in his word, then only can we call ourselves disciples. Let me say this, you can be a believer and not a disciple. I'm going to say that again. You can be a believer without being a disciple. Now the fruit of discipleship, as Jesus said, is intimate knowledge of the truth. And the result of knowledge is freedom in the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth. The knowledge he's talking about is revelation knowledge, is intimate knowledge of the truth of God's Word. That intimate knowledge of the truth brings freedom and deliverance in the Holy Spirit. But the condition is, if you continue in the Word, folks, is not how we start the race that counts, is how we finish it. Amen? It's not how we start our Christian walk that counts, it's how we finish it. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, in other words, if you remain in my word, if you stay in my word, then indeed you shall be my disciples and then you will know the truth, you will gain an intimate knowledge of the truth and that intimate knowledge of truth is going to lead you into a place of maturity and freedom and liberty in the Holy Spirit. Amen! Praise God! Now, discipleship, one of the things that discipleship does It frees us from the tyranny of selfishness and pride. Discipleship frees us from the tyranny of selfishness and pride. It also cultivates in us Christ-like character and brings us into spiritual maturity. Are you with me? So that's what discipleship does. It leads you into Christ-like character to become like Christ because a disciple in the Greek is one who is learning from another. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're learning from Christ. you imitating Christ. And the deeper you go into discipleship, deeper into the Word of God, you will become more and more like Jesus. Therefore, discipleship will lead you into Christ-like character and into spiritual maturity, and as a result of that, we will walk in the freedom and in the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Alright. The Word of God, we're studying, remember, the value of the Word. And the Word of God is the agent that God uses to disciple us. Notice what Paul said to Timothy, who was one of his disciples. Remember that Jesus had his own disciples, and the disciples had their own disciples. And what they learned from Jesus, they communicated to others, who walked with in a covenant relationship. So Paul was discipling Timothy. Timothy was Paul's disciple. In other places, Paul calls Timothy his spiritual son. In other words, he had taken him under his wing and he was discipling him, he was traveling with him and he was teaching him the things of God. And Paul writes to Timothy in one of his letters and he points Timothy to the Scriptures. And turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, if you will, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. And we're going to look at what Paul said to Timothy. Are you okay Nick? Are you having a problem there? Nick comes on and off. I don't know what's going on. Hello Nick, can you hear me? Nick, can you hear me? All right, let's continue. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So notice what Paul said to Timothy. He says all of the scripture is profitable, and it is given to us by inspiration of God, and it profits us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be complete. So we gain from this verse of Scripture that the Word of God completes us. The Word of God thoroughly equips us for what purpose? For every good work. That is that is one of the values of of the word of God it equips us it trains us it disciplines us it corrects us when we're wrong it encourages encourages us it also instructs us in the ways of righteousness and the way God does all of these things is that he does them through his word and so we see that the word of God is what God uses to disciple people and let me say this We cannot disciple believers without giving them the word of God. I want us to really understand this. You cannot disciple anyone without sharing with them or giving them the word of the living God. So thank God for His word. Amen. Thank God for His word. Now, Jesus' instructions to His disciples were as follows in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Notice what the Lord um, shared or instructed His disciples just before He went back to the Father in heaven. He gathered them together and He gave them certain instructions and this is what we call the Great Commission of the Church. Look at Matthew, please, if you will, chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. I know that I'm giving you a lot of scripture today, but it's important to see it from your own Bibles and to read it from your own Bibles, what we are dealing with, what we are teaching and learning today. Matthew 28, verse 18, 19, and 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, that is the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. Now, notice what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say just make converts. He didn't say just make believers, in other words, bring them to Christ and leave them. No, he said once you bring them and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you must take them further in the walk with me. You must disciple them. And the way you disciple them is teach them to observe All things that I have commanded you, and then I will be with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Are you with me? So bringing someone to Christ is not enough. That is just the beginning. It is not the end in itself, it is the beginning. We need to teach them, we need to take them further into the things of God, into the Word of God, and disciple them like we have been discipled by the Lord, by the Word, or by our spiritual mentors and shepherds. Amen. As I said, you can be a disciple, or you can be a believer without being a disciple. And I, I'm going to say something here today, so you, you may not, it may shock you, but this is the truth nevertheless. Our churches today, by and large, not speaking of any particular church or denomination, are full of believers who are not being discipled in the word of God, nor are they willing or want to be discipled. Yellow. Our churches today have many people within the house of God. They are believers. They believe in Jesus. They believe in the forgiveness of the sins. They believe they saved. But they are not discipled in the Word of God, nor do they want or willing to be discipled. And it's a sad, sad situation, but nevertheless, this is what it is. Many good-meaning believers today walk away from the very Word of God that was sent to them, or meant to bring healing and deliverance to them. Hello? Are you there? Praise God forevermore. And may the Lord never, uh, never allow us to be in that situation where we are not willing to be discipled, we are not willing to, to, to go on with the Lord and the things that God wants to communicate and teach us. Now, I have come to experience this many times, and I've seen it all over, wherever I go and travel. I see many good-meaning, loving people, well-meaning people. They do want to serve God. They do want to walk and follow the Lord, but they want to do so on their own terms and only under favorable conditions. What do I mean by that? Well, I will obey the Lord if there's something in it for me, or if it's comfortable, or if it suits me. As long as it doesn't cross with my comfort or with my plans, I will obey. But that is not the kind of obedience that Jesus requires from a disciple. And let me give you one example from the many examples that the New Testament gives us. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, and we're going to read verse 21 and 22. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 21 and 22. I am reminded of the one whom Jesus called into discipleship. And he said to him, follow me. But this man answered the Lord saying, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Wow. You know, someone reading this with an unrenewed mind, not being spiritually minded, would say, well, Lord, this, this is hard. I mean, <laughs> you won't even allow the man go and bury his dad. But Jesus was communicating a principle here. Notice what this man said. He wanted to follow the Lord, but he said, Lord, let me first. Let me first. And just as it is today, many in the house of God, as I say, they want to serve the Lord, but self comes in the way. Let me first. It's not you first, it's God first. Hello there. A disciple is the one who receives Jesus as Savior, but he also receives Jesus as Lord of his life or her life. And when Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, no longer self is on the throne of our hearts, but Jesus becomes the center of our lives, and our lives are centered around him and not around us. And you know, in the days of Jesus, many believers followed the Lord. Many, many thousands upon thousands. And one day the Lord turns around and He says to them, You come to Me because I gave you bread to eat. In other words, Jesus was saying, You come for what you can get out of Me. But He said, Labor not for the bread which perishes, but for the word which the Son of Man will give you that will endure unto everlasting life. Amen? And you know, there is a a certain gospel that is being preached today that is that is humanistic. In other words, it's all about me. What can God do for me? I understand when we're broken, when we are in need, we run to the Lord, and we pour our hearts out to God, and God hears our prayers, He heals us, He ministers. I know when I came to the Lord, I was a broken person. Broken spiritually, broken emotionally, broken every way, financially and physically. But when I came to the Lord, and the Lord came into my life, and I received Him as Lord and and Savior and Lord, He began to restore me from the inside out. I was healed, so I came to the place where I no longer say, well, Lord, do this for me. I said, here I am, Lord, what can I do for you? Amen. And the Lord is looking for people who are healed, who are restored, who have been ministered to by the Lord and are saying, Lord, here I am at your service. What do you want me to do? And that's what we're speaking about. This is the center of discipleship. We are there to serve God. We are there to minister, to love God and to love people. We make ourselves available to the Lord to anoint us so that we can be a blessing to those around us and those whom God brings into the sphere of our influence. But you see, this man said me first. And obviously this man wanted to serve the Lord, he wanted to follow the Lord, but he wanted to do it on his own terms and without a cost And you know, being a disciple costs. What is it going to cost us? Everything. It's going to cost us ourselves. That's why Jesus said, if you want to come after me, then you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to take up the cross and follow me from day to day. Hello? That is true discipleship. That is true discipleship. And now, as I said, There are many believers but very few disciples. Have you ever stopped to wonder why Jesus said many are called but few are chosen? Have you ever stopped to meditate or to think about those words that Jesus said? Many are called into the kingdom of God. Yet few are chosen. Why is it that few only are chosen? Because few are willing to pay the cost and pay the price, denying themselves, taking up the cross and following the Lord, wherever He leads. And that is why there are few. And I pray that every one of us will be counted among the few who are willing to embrace and receive not just Jesus as Savior, but also Jesus as our Lord. And Jesus said, why do you call me lord, lord and you do not do what I say? And so, we need to really examine our walk with the lord and say, lord, am I really a disciple of yours? Am I am I remaining in your word? Am I really worshiping you for what I can get out of you or am I here because I desire to serve you and become a blessing? to the people that you have called me to bless. And every one of us has a sphere of influence, and in that sphere of influence, God has placed people with different needs, with different situations, with certain um, trials in their lives. And we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and put it on them and say, Lord, how can I help? How can I minister? How can I be of use to this person? Help me become a bridge and help me love this person the way you do so that I can bring them closer to you. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. And so, it is so important that when we receive Christ, we must also receive Him as Lord and submit to the discipline of the Lord, or being discipled by the Lord. And, and that's why discipleship strikes at the very root of selfishness, strikes at the very root of our own agendas, of our own plans and our own dreams, and brings us into a place where we receive God's dreams and God's agenda for our lives. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. The Lord's entire life was spent in serving his Father, in submitting to his Father. Even though he was God and co-equal with God, he submitted himself to the Father and he served the Father's will all the days of his life. Well, if he had done that, how much more do we need to do that? Lord, what is your will for me? I recall, it is now exactly 41 years that Jesus found me in my own gutter and in my own despair and brought new life into my heart and gave me a brand new heart. And I recall that for the first time, I knelt down in the bathroom of a friend that I was staying with And I prayed for the first time from my heart, and I said, Lord, now that you saved me, what do you want me to do? Because all my life, 23 years of age, I ran from one place to the next. I ran from one employment to the next. I ran from one city to the next. I wouldn't take anything from anybody. The moment my employer said something I didn't like, or they tried to correct me, I was out the door in a flash I wouldn't take anything from anyone that kind of attitude caused me to run from place to place without rest without stability in my life but when I when I received Christ and I knelt into that bathroom I recall it and I remember it just as it was yesterday and I said lord what do you want me to do and deep down from within my Spirit, the Lord spoke up and He said, I want you to go back to your wife whom you have left. And I will teach you how to love her. I will teach you how to lay down your life for her. And I will teach you how to be a husband and how to be a father. It was no longer my own will. So I got into my car the next day. And I drove for 11 solid hours and went back to my wife, whom I left 10 days prior to that. In fact, next week marks exactly 41 years. How can I not serve the Lord? You know, you can only appreciate the grace of God and the forgiveness of God when you really reach rock bottom. And I reached such a bottom that there was no further down to go but taking my own life. And so, Paul, when he was knocked off his horse, on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, a light shone from heaven and threw him off of his course. The first thing that he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, the Lord said to him, whom you persecuted. And then he said, What do you want me to do? And that's what a disciple does from day to day. Lord, how can I serve you today? What do you want me to do today? What is your plan? What is your agenda? And that is the life of a disciple. He remains in the Word. He remains submissive to the Lord. And he walks day by day in an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus, with the Holy Spirit helping and guiding and leading us into all truth. And so the moment the Lord receives you, He receives you and I just as we are. Often we hear the song that says, Lord, just as I am. And God loves you just as you are. Regardless of who you are, where you come from, what nationality, what sins have you committed, when you come to Him, His arms are open wide, His heart is open wide, and He receives us. But you know, He does not leave us the way we are. Amen. He begins to disciple us the moment we become children of God. And look at, and let me show it to you and prove it to you from the scriptures. And we're going to look at this verse of scripture. It's quite a lengthy one, but it gives us so much insight into discipleship and into the discipline of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read from verse 5. Hebrews 12, verse 5. Let me know when you're there by raising your hand so that I can continue. Peter, are you still with us? Peter? Pastor, I am, but we can only hear. Okay, no problem, that's fine, I'm just inquiring. Alright, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 5. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastens everyone He accepts as His son. Wow! Let me say this. Many lose heart and they become discouraged, and as a result, they walk away when they are rebuked or confronted by the word of God. Not realizing that God's love brings discipline balanced with love. You see, the word says that the Lord's discipline is a sure guarantee that God loves you. Amen? It is a mark of God's love. It is proof that God loves you. Because he disciplines you and I. In other words, he corrects us with love. And listen to what furthermore he says. Hello? Did someone say something? No. Okay. Endure hardship as discipline because God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by the Father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. You know, God's Word goes on to say that if we reject or refuse God's discipline, or, in other words, if we reject and refuse to be discipled by the Lord, then we are not true sons and daughters of God, but illegitimate. Do you know what another word for illegitimate is? You can turn your microphone on if you do know and tell me. Another word for illegitimate is a bastard. (laughs) Are you there? (laughs) So, you know, there have been times in my life that from time to time I still pray it. I said, Lord Jesus, please do not remove your hand of discipline from my life. Correct me when I'm wrong. Rebuke me when I go my own way when I become selfish, Lord, do not leave me to my own devices and to my own self, but bring correction where I need to be corrected, because I don't want to stray from your heart, I don't want to stray from your will. And, and that is the way a disciple should pray, Lord, look upon me, search my heart, see where I'm going, and if I am going in the wrong way, please, bring correction. Send someone into my life to help me, to teach me, to guide me, to correct me when I'm wrong. Because I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss your will in my life. Amen? Let's go on to read. Furthermore, moreover, the word says, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. And no discipline seems pleasant at a time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Do you see what discipline does? If you are trained by being discipled, then your life, according to the word of God, will bring fruits of peace and fruits of righteousness. Praise God forevermore. So we see that one of the things that the word of God brings into our lives is discipline. And discipline is vitally important to recognize that it is the loving hand of God who reaches out to us in order to bring us into a place of maturity and fully align our hearts and our lives with His Word and with His will. Amen? Now, the consequences of not receiving the discipline or desiring to be discipleship or be to be discipled by the Lord, they are they are not pleasant. In fact, Paul talks about people who run away from God, run away from being discipled, run away from being disciplined, and he doesn't have nice things to say. So what are we to do? If we love God, we're gonna allow him to work in our lives the way he desires. And And let me say this, the Word of God says that no discipline is joyous or pleasant at a time. It's painful. Why? Because no one dies with a smile on his hand. You don't deny yourself with a smile on your face. It's difficult. Dying to self, there there is an element of suffering in it by denying your will, your opinions in order to serve someone else. And I recall one of the instruments that God used in my life greatly in the beginning of my walk with God, and I'm talking about 40 years ago. One of the instruments that God used in my life to bring discipline and correction was my father-in-law. Remember that I came from a family (coughs) that most of the time my dad wasn't there. I didn't know what it meant to, to have a dad around, to be disciplined, my dad. <clears throat> the only discipline I received was from my mother, who just smacked me, and sometimes I used to receive double smacks for my brother also, because he never stayed around. He always ran away. So when I came into, into my father-in-law's family, God began to use that man, though he was not a born-again man, he began to use that man to bring correction. In the beginning I rebelled. Until one day the Lord opened my eyes and I saw who my father-in-law really is. And I began to submit, I began to respect, I began to obey him. And that was the pivotal or the turning point in my walk with God. The moment I recognized the hand of my father-in-law as the hand of God discipling me and disciplining me and submitted to that, heaven opened over my life. And I began to grow from strength to strength. Of course there were other people that, that, that God brought into my life to teach me, to disciple me and I value them and I appreciate them so much. Because they brought a measure of maturity so that I could go on and be a blessing to other people in my life. So, we thank God for the Lord's discipline. And I want you to, as I, as I conclude this message today, you need to pray and you need to say, Lord, have your way with me. I don't want to be just a believer. I want a disciple. I want to be discipled. disciple. Tell your pastor, or those who uh, have the the spiritual authority over you, Pastor, give me truth, please. Tell me the truth in love, even if it hurts me. I will receive it, because I want to be a disciple, not just a believer. Amen? So, Father, as we come to the conclusion of this message today, We want to thank you for the value of your word, that it brings stability and discipline and divine order in our lives. We humble ourselves before you, before the mighty hand of God today, before the written and the living word of God, and we say, Father, do not remove your hand of discipline from our lives. We submit to you, we embrace your discipline, we welcome to be discipled for we desire to walk with you, Father, and to finish strong the race that you have called us into. We want to thank you for those who bring us the word of God. We want to value and honor them because they carry the living word of God to us and pray that you would bless them pray that you would empower them and anoint them to minister that word with courage and with boldness in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen thank you for listening to this message for additional resources and more information about this ministry come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.